This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it's the 8th of December 2023. Today, big news for the game Forza Motorsport and an audio game review. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you this fine Friday? Oh, rolling R's, what a great start, you <laughs> glorious Scotsman, you. Oh, you beautiful Englishman, you. <laughs> oh, We're feeling <sighs> happy today. Do you know, yeah, I have to say, big, big breaking news just overnight as well, uh, here in the UK at least, uh, because uh, the Game Awards 2023 took place. And, uh, you know, I have to say, it, it's always an interesting area for me because I'm not a gamer. I'm not really that into games, but no. I am always intrigued because when I hear the word accessibility and gaming together, that's when I listen. It's the only time I listen because I think, well, well at least I can play those games, right? But, <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly right. To be honest, I'm not really a gamer either, but that's simply because I can't be. Or yeah. at least up until now or up until recently, I felt I can't be. Um, I used to love gaming back in the day. Um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking back to mm. when was my first Pac-Man. experience of games? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, Pac-Man. I used to play a lot of games on the Atari ST. I loved Outrun back Outrun. in the day. I loved Outrun. Wow. Space Harrier. Oh. oh, yeah, that's right. God, we're going back. Yes, I, I used to have. I used to have a Sega Game Gear when I was a kid. Oh, you were posh, weren't you? That was the portable version, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that was like the portable nice. version of the Mega Drive, wasn't it? It was, yes. Um, yeah, like I had a Game Boy, I had a SNES, and I used to love all that stuff. But as my vision decreased, and there was absolutely, <laughs> thank you, there was absolutely <laughs> no accessibility at that no, point. Right? It wasn't even thought about. So, yeah, it's good to see these sort of awards now. It's funny, the games were so simple, right? And and we're going to touch on this a bit later because I think there's a conversation to be had around the reasons why we maybe found it easier to play games back then because both of us had, you know, visual impairments growing up. So it wasn't like we were, yeah. you know, living in the uh, dizzy heights of 2020. And I don't mean the year, I mean the, uh, the visual level. <laughs> yeah. oh, well done. Yes, okay. but the, the good thing was every game back then was kind of high contrast because there was only mm-hmm. four colours. I'm That's thinking right. of the Atari yeah. Golf where, you know, the, the, the ball was uh, an inch <laughs> diameter square. Um, right. So it was fine. And uh, pole position was just a black road on a bright oh, green side. So loved pole position. <laughs> it was a lot easier back then. And as soon as you started to get the graphics got a little bit more complicated, more colours and uh, yeah suddenly I couldn't play it anymore yeah things have changed a lot <laughs> that's the problem I, I think there's I think there's something in that as well yeah. Uh, but yeah uh, to last night's awards and uh, there was one category that we were all interested in uh, and that was the innovation in accessibility category uh, this was the announcement of the winner of that category and the game award goes to Forza Motorsport <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for this. Um, since this category was introduced several years ago, I think we've seen 
a dramatic shift in the whole industry towards making games more and more accessible. And with this list of amazing nominees, it just really drives that home. Um, at this point, I, I think we've made the most accessible racing game ever playable by people across the mobility and vision spectrum, including totally blind players. But really, the real winners here are the players who have so many great games to play. None of this would have been possible without the amazing teams behind the scenes. Big thank you to our audio team for their tireless effort, championing for accessibility, and making this game the best that it can be. Big thank you to the UI team, to our studio leadership team, and our accessibility leadership team. And last but last least, Brandon Cole for being our uh, accessibility consultant and partner for the last two years. We're really proud of the work that we've been able to do, so thank you very much. Absolutely fantastic news to see Forza Motorsport win that game, uh, or win that award, I should say, in that category at the uh, Game Awards 2023. Uh, the event was audio described, I believe, as well, which was kind of cool. I mean, this was a mainstream event with that accessibility category in there, and that's important. It is, and I'm kind of stopping myself from saying, well, of course it should have been. But that doesn't actually mean anything nowadays. No. Um, the fact that they actually thought about it and put it in place. There's a bit of a story over here in the UK about um, some disabled contestants on a game show who who made their needs quite clear. And when they turned up to actually film the, the episode, the show, um, none of it was in place at all. Um, just because, you know, something should be expected, it doesn't mean actually it's still forgotten about. Even, you know, even where we are now today, it's still forgotten about. Yeah, it's funny, there's a, there's a show over here in the UK called Have I Get News For You, which has been on TV for forever, I think. And it's like a weekly news panel show and uh, comedy, right? So they, they get together and they discuss the, the, the news of the week. And um, what, they do often have blind comedians on there. And whenever they do, it really feels awkward. It's like it really highlights the inaccessibility of the visual format on television yes. where they'll say, look at this and comment on this image. And of course, there's always that pause. And yeah. if ever there's a blind c contestant on the show, they're always leaning across to the, the, the teammates saying, what's going on? And of course, blind comedians will do what blind comedians do. They'll just make something funny out of it. But yes. It's awkward, right? And it, it does show when it kind of highlights the problem. But uh, this is the kind of inverse of that because you have a mainstream event that's actually highlighting accessibility, probably to a bunch of people who don't really understand what it's about. Uh, exactly what I was thinking when they th hear, you know, accessibility. Are they thinking, well, what what is that? Are we talking yeah. about the the price point of the game? Uh, what mm -hmm. platforms it's on, available on, or <laughs> you know, accessibility? Look. Any talk about accessibility in the mainstream is a is a boon, is a plus, is only a good thing. So I'm all for this. Is this a little bit controversial, though? Because I remember when we talked about Forza a while back, and there were still some um, strong opinions whether it was playable for people with no vision. Yeah, well, listen, I have heard more people say in the last couple of days, Forza Motorsport playable by totally blind people. And I remember talking about this, you're right, last year, I think it was. Yeah. And I was pillared for saying that. And I was going off the reviews of people out there, not my views, but the views of people who I trust in this industry, lots of different people who are blind players, totally blind players as well, who were saying they could play it. Now, I imagine things have improved over the last year. 
So it may well be the case that we're, we're kind of maybe a year out from improvements and, and maybe last year it was less playable, but it certainly seems to be more so now. And uh, I, 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 I'm really pleased that that's the case. I'm hoping that is the case. It's funny, the, the phrase mileage may vary seems appropriate here, <laughs> yes. not just because of the driving game, but also because, um, you know, it is going to depend on your uh, ability with this game. Uh, Steve Saylor, of course, is a well-known voice here on the show. And uh, he was uh, one of the judges in this category, which I thought was fantastic. And I got the chance to catch up with him for an upcoming interview early next year. Uh, and we talked a little bit about his judging. Here's what he had to say about this and Forza itself. The innovation and accessibility category uh, was a category that I thankfully was also asked to be a, a, a judge and or at least a part of the jury on uh, to help decide some of the nominees. And it was very hard to pick games like just finding like it used to be trying to find five top games to be able to nominate. But this year was the first time that it was like, I don't know what to choose because there was so many great games uh, that it was like it was a surprise to me what actually became the uh, the nomination uh, or actually was nominated for uh, for the category. So this year has definitely seen a, a really a, not only the fact that it's like th- we've had more accessible games, but games that are also seen as masterpieces or like getting nines and eights out of tens uh, for, uh, for across the industry. So uh, it's really cool to be able to see like just how big of a growth it's been just within the past year. Forza Motorsport, it is by far the most accessible racing game ever. Uh, and I I kind of declared that like in my review um, and, it is, and so it's just that is specifically my opinion Your results may vary but there is a lot of accessibility in there including a brand new feature that was developed by Turn 10 Studios and a, a few accessibility consultants including friend of the show Brandon Cole a feature called Blind Drive Assist that it gives you a bunch of audio cues uh, for blind players to know where they are on the track at any given time and be able to l- not only learn how to be able to drive a car which I know for blind, blind people it's not exactly the easiest thing to be able to do if at all uh so now you can be able to learn how to drive a car but also be able to race and compete so with that blind drive assist feature that they're talking about that seems to have unlocked that capability that perhaps was coming maybe it was at an early stage at that time that we last spoke about it yes but even then i'm still not 100 percent sure that blind drive assist makes it seem well the description there should should cast you know make it 100 percent uh concrete guarantee that this can be played with people with no vision it sounds like it using audio cues mm. but then the most accessible game and you know not um your experience may vary those sort of those sort of statements sort of again cast just a little bit of doubt in my mind but um but what is that is that because of the game's ability or the player's ability because i, I i've listened point. to yeah. some i've listened to some of the gameplay uh, and I didn't want to play much of it in here because I, I, we need to be clear, be clear on what we were playing in and, and I don't know enough about the game. Mm. We are going to be talking about this in more detail next week and I'll give you more information on that in a sec. But but I, I don't know if it's maybe sometimes a little bit, what I've heard, it feels a little bit like sensory overload. There's so much audio coming at you that it could actually be easier just to drive around the track and bump along the sides you know because truthfully you know there's so much noise so much information coming at you i will say though from what i've heard from steve's review which i strongly encourage you go check out on youtube uh it is a fantastic review and what it uh, does is it kind of shows you uh how you can customize this game 
to suit you, how the audio sits in your ears. I mean, that level of customization, where the audio lives, how the, you know, is it spoken feedback? Is it audio cue feedback? I mean, there's a lot you can do in this game. And of course, all of that is accessible because Xbox has narrator on it. Yeah, the simple answer is just go and watch the review from Steve. Yeah, there. actually, go, go that would it. answer all my questions. I will check that out after. I'm really interested in this. As I said, I used to absolutely love gaming. But the thing is, it's just, you know, the expense, the outlay onto getting a, a, a console or whatever, and, you know, then the game on top, just to find out, oh, actually, I, it's, it's not for me, or for whatever reason, I do not find it accessible. It's just a little bit too much. You can watch Steve talking about this and uh, get more on the Game Awards as well on the website, doubletaponair.com. It's our main story today. Uh, you can check that out there. Uh, Tara Volka was with us on Access Tech Live a couple of weeks back, and we were talking about the state of gaming accessibility in 2023. Here's what she had to say. Right now, we are at this sort of watershed moment. We are seeing more accessibility for more companies in more games at a higher level of investment that we've ever seen before. So we are on a peak of exponential growth in the industry. And I'm saying here today, wow, there's so much accessibility that didn't exist even a couple of years ago. I'm sure that I'll say the exact same thing like two years from now. Oh my goodness, there's so much accessibility today that didn't happen a couple of years ago. We're seeing new hardware. We're seeing new options in-game. We're seeing... Uh, even just gaming events being more physically accessible to gamers with disabilities. And all of this is, you know, still relatively new as a phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, the event itself, having audio description, for example, just again, making the game events more accessible. It seems, it seems in a weird way. And I've said this for a while now, whenever we have these conversations, I bring this up. It seems that the gaming world has almost kind of got accessibility inside itself as a bit of a virus, a virus for good. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's like an interesting virus. way of putting it, a virus for good. No, I agree. It, it seems like, um, you know, one of these final frontiers, there's always going to be another area we come across. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, white goods, kitchen appliances and things like that. Always seems Which just, uh, despite all the accessibility improvements around Yes, it's like you're right. Why is my fridge not smart? Why can't I talk to my dishwasher or my air fryer? Or, you know, yeah. I mean, not even talk to it or be smart. Just use the thing, you know, without having <laughs> to get sighted assistance. Um, and it does seem that gaming has. I think we're we're past the you know uh, we just started to get accessibility. We are a few years in now, and you know the the. the the appearance of the category like this in a mainstream gaming awards just shows that actually it feels like accessibility is being taken seriously. And that's a great thing. It is, but I have to say it's the growth. It's the speed of growth. I mean, we're talking five years, perhaps, maybe even less than five years. And in that time, you know, we have gone from nothing, pretty much nothing, no reason at all for us to be in any way excited about an Xbox release or a PlayStation 5 to actually me now thinking I could buy one of these consoles now and I could have a range of games to play. I mean, even up till three years ago, I was thinking, well, if I bought one, I could only buy maybe one or two games. Yes, that's right. Yeah, exactly. But that's right. getting more and more and more. And, you know, it'll be interesting. Next week, we're going to hear from Steve. Um, I'm kind of teasing out this interview over the next couple of weeks because there's <laughs> lots of things Steve and I talked about. But one thing that he picked up on, and I don't want to, I don't want to throw shadow on the Game Awards today, but... Um, 
But next week we're going to mention and talk a little bit more about Grand Theft Auto because that was one of my favourite games growing up. Oh, yes, I know. Yes, Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer released yesterday, day before. Day before, I think, yeah. And do you know the thing about this game? <clears throat> Honestly, I get almost irritated by it to some degree because I think this will be the first time, or, or certainly the 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 game that that comes from Rockstar Games, Grand Theft Auto Six. This will be this the, this version of this it will not be something I can play. It's just not going to be something I can really get into anymore. Mm. And that kind of saddens me a bit because I loved the GTA franchise. It's so spooky. I had exactly the same conversation with my daughter yesterday. I, this is the first time I haven't been able to see the trailer. Mm. And mm. there was something about it. I was just I wanted yeah. to see what the next level was going to be. I kind of feel the same with VR. For years and years as a kid, we were promised you know this amazing VR, the lawnmower man, and whatever <laughs> other movies. <laughs> and the time VR gets here, I can't use it. And it, it, it's it's you know it's one of those moments where you think, ah, all right, okay, now I am frustrated. I, I felt exactly the same about it. This is a huge. Huge game, Grand Theft Auto 6. It's a, it, not just in gaming. This is one of the biggest um, money earners for the company in the entire entertainment sec- section, including yeah. movies. This makes millions and millions and millions. It's a massive thing. And I, yeah, I kind of, I was a little sad that I'm missing out on it, I must admit. Yeah, it kind of annoyed me. But I think also, and going back to the point you, you raised earlier about the the challenge of gaming. So, you know, if I think back to the days of Sonic the Hedgehog or the Game Gear, I'm trying to remember the Game Gear games I used to play. There was one I used to play all the time and the name of it is gone. (gasps) But even Lemmings on the Atari ST in the good old days. Oh, Lemmings, um, yes. You know, the simplicity of those games made them really enjoyable. And and of course, they were simple because they only had the, the capability, you know, that they had. But in a way, that made them easier to play. And I think that as games have become more complicated... I mean, aside the the fact that you've got about 8 billion button you know, <laughs> keypads to yes. learn, you know, different keystrokes for this and that and the next thing, you know, and doing all this at speed, uh, you know, and all those visuals to contend with, you know, it absolutely could make it more challenging for someone who might be in our position. You know, when we were kids, the vision level we had compared to a kid today with the same vision level, they may not be able to experience it in the way that we could experience gaming. And this is something I put to Tara Volker. I asked her about this on Access Tech Live as well. I was talking about the the challenge of people moving, you know, into these games, say an older age, someone who may be coming back to gaming. It is a lot to learn. Um, And so what we've been trying to do, um, and I've seen other studios do as well, is partner with people who are high, um, high profile influencers in the gaming space to translate that lived experience to try to help everyone get ramped up and understand like create additional tutorials and help people get ramped up to figure it out because yeah exactly like you said you know it's you know sonic is very different than some of the games that we'll see today or even the newest sonics that come out right like those are 3d games and so there is definitely a learning barrier but it's actually a problem that the entire industry has even outside the space of accessibility that games can be really intimidating like my mom was a huge gamer um on the nes and she doesn't really game anymore because she's just very uh you know overwhelmed by the sheer amount of buttons that exist on a controller now right so it's definitely an industry-wide problem regardless of if you have a disability or not that's a really good point 
it, it is an industry-wide problem. And how do you solve that? Because in, in a way, what you don't want to happen is to cut people off. I mean, look, this is a money spinner, right? So in one hand, or one way we're talking about accessibility of gaming and making the gameplay and it, the games themselves more accessible, but it's kind of, it has to go further than that. You have to kind of almost make these games playable by anyone, by any means. So it's, mm. how do you do that? You know, do you create light versions of it? Do you have Grand Theft Auto, you know, perhaps in a village as opposed to a city? You know, <laughs> is that how you do it? I don't know. The right? Sims I mean, it's like- version, yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think you're always going to have that problem anyway. You have different genres of games, you know? I mean, that I remember things like oh, Red Alert, for example, which is a real-time strategy game where you you know, assign resources and mine and attack things. It was never really my thing. I found it too complicated. And I was just for, you know, a quick shoot 'em up or uh, even a Sonic. Um, so there's always going to be different genres that are going to attract different people, how involved they want to be into it. Uh, World of Warcraft, people spend weeks and weeks planning a raid and getting their teams together. That's not for me. There's always those different types of games for different people. So I know we said we'd never talk about gaming on this show. Yeah. Uh, here we're talking about it. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's it's kind of creeping in to our conversation a bit more. And, uh, yeah, I'd be interested in people's takes on that, though, around the, the challenge of gaming. It is Because whenever we – I've said this before, but whenever we talk about this, we get very little response. People don't tend to come back and talk to us about this. And I wonder if it's because en masse, the audience, you, you, you're just not into gaming. And if that's the case, why? Because considering what we're learning about the accessibility growing every day, it seems, in the gaming space, why aren't you into gaming? Were you into gaming before? Were you some, Was this something mm. you were into as, as, a, as a kid or maybe as a, a young adult that you fell away from it? Well, maybe there's, different, that. there's different aspects to this because let's look at it from a social angle. The ability to join in with, you know, the rest of the family or your friends and play a game and the ability to play a game. A lot of these games are multiplayer now. Um, If you can take part in that, that is a different aspect to gaming. Um, I'm still, and this is a personal opinion, and I don't want to throw shade on anything at all. I still think, is it still the same game once you... Uh, put in all these accessibility features. Is my experience of playing something like Forza the same as a sighted person's experience of playing Forza? I don't know. I've never played it. I have no idea. But doesn't it change the the core of the gameplay mechanics once you're using audio cues to drive along? Isn't it a different game then? I don't so, know. I think that's a great question. And it brings to mind... A situation that happened, I think this would be about 10 years ago now, maybe a, maybe a little bit less than that. I vaguely remember being around 10 years ago. National Federation of the Blind in the States had worked with a, I think it was Google they'd worked with. And it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't to work with them on driverless cars because they were developing the driverless car at the time. You might remember the little pod things that were driving around. And NFB wanted to create a way that people could control the car themselves. So essentially be given cues that you would be the driver. Instead of the car driving itself, you would become the driver. Oh. And this was tried. And I remember a good friend of mine, Chris Danielson, who's at the NFB, um, 
and Chris had tried it and he was he was able to drive around a track with cues being sort of barked at him by this computer. Um, I think there was human, I mean, obviously there was human involvement as well. It was a trial. It was, you know, tracked. It wasn't just like, you know, Chris took a a Ford out for a drive. Um, You know, this was proper test conditions. But the point was he was driving versus being driven. And that was important to the NFB at that time. That was a very important part of of their um, approach on this. Now, that garnered quite a lot of controversy at that time because there was, there, was, there was the side of the argument which said, well, look, driverless car technology is meant to enable us all. And what's the benefit of us getting into the car and having to try and drive using all of this additional layer of information? It's like like JAWS for the car. And, and, and what's the benefit to that? And I think that's a great question. It is, and that's a difficult Does it get in the question. Way? I mean, you know, we want the ability to be able to drive, but then at the same time, isn't it just like, oh God, am I going to say this? Yes, I am. Isn't it just like a monkey pressing a button and getting a banana? I mean, uh, we're being told turn left, but okay, the computer is going to take control of actually doing that, surely. Mm. I mean, we're just sort of going through the motions and what benefit is that? I don't know. That's a really interesting conversation. And at which point... See, this is the. I suppose this is the, the the issue. If you start thinking that blindness means you can do anything, if you if you tell yourself blindness means you can do everything, and I don't subscribe to that theory. I'm sorry. I know that's hugely controversial, but I just don't believe that. I mean, I would love to be a bus driver. If I was fully sighted, that would be my job. I know. I just know I'd be a very grumpy Scottish bus driver not picking people up at any possible opportunity, but driving my bus around town. And through puddles at bus stops, yes. I Absolutely. can see you doing that, Soaking people. I'd yeah. love that. I'd be like, right, speed up, right, here we go, guys, let's do it. Six of them at this bus stop, it's going to be a six-pointer. Um, but that would be my thing. Now, that's not going to happen. Now, if they made technology that allowed me to drive the bus, how many people are going to get on that bus, right? Oh, yeah, but- if they say, oh, the driver's blind... No one's going to get on my bus. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, they're just not. Yeah, but aside from that, <laughs> what benefit or what, what am I going to say joy? Yeah, what joy are you going to get from that? What, you know, what, what do you get from just being filling fill the seat, basically? Well, it, it, it almost is like when you were a kid and you used to get those little play plastic steering wheels and you'd sit behind your mum in the yes, car or your dad right. driving the car and you'd pretend to steer the wheel. And you'd think because you steer to the right and the car goes to the right, you've done it. But you haven't because the car's been controlled by someone else. Mm. So, you know, I kind of wonder if we... Um, yeah, I'm kind of worried one. by what we've said here. But no, uh, I, you know, I think, if anyone but, but, wants to get in touch, feedback at yeah, doubletaponair.com. Look, I, I'm not shy to have these conversations as I think people have come to know. I think that, you know, these are serious points, right? How independent should we be? How independent can we be? And actually, how independent do we want to be? And that's a big question, right? Because that that changes and alters the course. Now, I think technology will will kind of supersede all this anyway. I think we're going to move towards an AI-driven, autonomous reality anyway. So these are probably moot points, but... There are a lot of people who will, you know, there's so many blind people I know. And I go back to the plant pot man. Do you remember the plant pot yes, man? Yes, of course. God bless you, plant pot man. You're a hero. <laughs> Never so give up. for those that don't remember this or maybe didn't hear me talk about this, I was at the NFB convention years ago and there was a guy I met who seemed to be struggling 
to get to where he was going. And he was going round and round this huge, gigantic pot plant. He'd just gone round and round and round and round. And he was clearly lost. And I said to him, you know, can I give you a hand? Can I, can I help you find your way? And he's like, nope, nope, I'll find it. And I, I, and at that moment, I thought, good for you. And then later on, I thought, no, come on, just take the help. Why wander around that plant pot day and night? You know, he could, be, he could have been there the whole week, for all I know. <laughs> and just wander around. And instead of just letting go of the pride and saying, okay, where am I going here? Because you know what? You'll get there a lot quicker. Yeah, but, you know, if you achieve it for yourself. I mean, he knows his route around that plant pot, mate. Well, well, that's true. We've yeah. all been there. I've done exactly the same thing myself. Not the plant pot thing. I'm sure I've been in hedges. Obviously, that's been talked <laughs> about. But I mean, just that. It's all to do with foliage. It seems to always come <laughs> back to foliage. <laughs> the foliage. I'm a very green person. <laughs> but no, maybe it's a case of, you know what? I'm just getting my bearings here. And who cares if I go around the same place 10 times? You know, I'm getting my bearings. I'm getting my orientation. I'm getting familiar with myself. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think, well, we all do that, right? We feel our way around. I mean, we go places sometimes. I do that. I'll sometimes walk around places and not really know where. And I must admit, I do get irritated sometimes by the sighted people who, as soon as you appear to just veer off the path for just a second, yes. someone wants to come up and say, ah, you're going the wrong way. And it's like, it's fine. It's fine. I know what I'm doing. Which well, I don't. But you know, I'll figure what out. you did to plant pot guy. But, but plant pot pie, plant pot pie, plant pot guy, plant pot pie is my Christmas recipe. Uh, we will talk about that in a couple of weeks. But um, no, plant pot guy, just you know, to me, he was he was kind of just being a little bit obnoxious. <gasps> Stephen, bus driver Scott, I cannot believe it. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. What's your thoughts? If on I passed him on my bus, I'd splash him with a puddle. There you go. <laughs> Uh, right, look, stick around. I don't know how we got from gaming to Plant Pot Man, but there you go. Uh, there's a game for you. Plant Pot Man, coming soon to Xbox. <laughs> get someone writing that immediately. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, right, we're going to get to your feedback and lots more. And, and by the way, just on the subject of gaming, we're going to have Ross Minor on uh, next week. He's a well-known voice as well in the space of uh, gaming. He is a blind player, totally blind game player. He loves Forza. And he wants to tell us a bit more about the game. So all our questions will hopefully get answered next week when Ross Minor joins us on Double Tap. Uh, stick around, uh, more to come, including even more game talk. Whew, wow, what a show. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Okay, so coming up, we're going to be uh, hearing from Anexus, uh, one of our listeners who got in touch uh, to share her review of Timecrest, the text adventure game. This sounds more like my kind of thing, to be perfectly honest. So uh, going to hear that uh, a bit later. Let's get some emails, though. Pete's got in touch. Hi, guys and lady. I put guys first, but we all know Laura is the most important part of the team. Mm, of yes. Course, yeah. As it seems, we are fast approaching the end of the year. What will no doubt be referred to as the year of AI, I had two thoughts. Firstly, we know that ChatGPT and other similar AIs hallucinate. Even the Humane Pin launch had errors with the AI answers. But has anyone ever thought about where Lady A gets her answers? Although it might not be referred to as AI, it is an LLM after all and gets answers from all over the web. So, has anyone ever asked a question to Lady A and then thought they must fact-check it? Most of us simply take its given answers as fact, given that the most popular, the Echo Dots, have no screen just like the humane pin theoretically has no real screen. So at what point did we start trusting Lady A's answers? As it usually sounds confident, just like some of the current AI hallucinations do. My second AI thought, 
a somewhat UK-centric thought, does anyone else hear the word AI mentioned and think of Ali G with his "aight" greeting that he did? <laughs> Please, Laura, say this like Ali G did. No. <laughs> now the subject of air fryers. Big thanks to Lena for highlighting analog models. I did plan on getting one of the new talking models from Cobalt. I don't usually go for specialist blindy products, but the announcement on your show got me really intrigued and I just figured I could turn it off when cooking completes so I could simply avoid the repetitive fryer temperature high announcement at the end. But then I got a copy of the manual sent to me by a friend who was also interested. I include the extracts that put me off. The fryer will announce the time remaining every 10 minutes. In the last 10 minutes of cooking, the fryer will announce the time remaining every minute. In the final minute, the fryer will announce every 10 seconds and every second for the final 10 seconds. And then, once the fryer has finished cooking, it will turn off. The fryer will also announce fryer temperature high every 20 seconds for two minutes. I can understand some users may wish for this kind of feedback, but I wish they had a verbosity setting, which could be toggled after a person gets used to it. I could imagine this getting rather annoying rather quickly. Think I'll look at an analogue model and put bump-ons on it. Shame, though. Cheers, Pete. Yeah, that's a good point, Pete. I mean, I think at this stage of development with technology that we have today, I think people expect more than just what they're given, right? And that's the problem. Uh, it's again a problem, and it's also the reality of the development of these kind of products because they're trying to keep costs down, so they have to not quite shoehorn a voice into an existing model, but it's not a million miles off what they're doing. And that's why I think, the, the, or how they can keep the price down, to develop something brand new that is, you know, has all that verbosity and capability in it. For the kind of market they're aiming at, who may not even know those features exist and know how to use them, I think that maybe they've done the right thing and actually just... just you know, here's the here's the result and this is what it is. Because I think those of us who've used talking microwaves for a long time are kind of used to that that way of working. That's kind of how my art, my uh, talking microwave works as well. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You, you sort of learn to tune it out. I totally agree. And I, I actually mentioned this as well um, to Cobalt when we talked about this, that, that that final minute every 10 seconds, is there a way to turn that off? Um, I, I totally agree with you. But at the same time, I think the benefits outweigh. I probably would go for these when my current air fryer dies. I think I, I would probably go for one of these because I just you just can't beat just being able to totally have access to a device, to totally control it without any sighted assistance. And there are quirks and irks like that. And um, But as Stephen said, I think you just tuned them out. Well, I mean, I know people that won't buy the talking microwave because it says door open. Yeah. And I think, hang, hang yeah. on, hang on. So you'd rather not have a device that's, you know, 100% accessible, built for you because of one thing. It's like, oh, oh but it's patronising. Yeah, but to get over it. <laughs> get over it and get over yourself. I'd much rather have something that works for me than, you know, say, I mean, oh, it says door open. Well, yeah, okay, so what? And there's your answer there, Steve. Uh, Pete, sorry. Uh, Stephen says, um, get over it. Nice one. Well, I wasn't aiming that at Pete in fairness, but anyway. Well, well maybe I was. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Pete and others. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm inclusive. Oh, I, I think it's a, it's a good point. I, I, I can also agree. say getting, getting Laura to do uh, Ali G impersonations, oh. I think, has to be Amazing. Uh, highlight. Breaking no, that's, that's not the right one. Nice. Well, that was, it was breaking news, actually, yeah. But I was aiming for the, I was aiming for the applause button. Um, okay, let's, uh, <laughs> let's hear from Aaron, who's got in touch. Hi, Stephen, Sean, Laura, Mr. F and all Double Tappers. Oh. 
I'm finding all this discussion about the Human AI pin interesting. I was excited about the pin until I noticed a few odd things. One, it's not water resistant, so no wearing it out in the rain. Two, mm. operating conditions are set for a specific temperature. So when it's blazing hot in the summer and Scotland cold in the winter, this means that the pin can't be operated in those temperatures. I live in Kentucky, by the way. I've re-listened to Mike Calvo's convo with you a couple of times. His points are well made. As an accessibility analyst, I was disappointed at the lack of no mention of accessibility in a blog post, social media post, small segment in the video, or even just any acknowledgement that people with disabilities are human, damn it. I immediately thought of people who have trouble speaking, people who might have mobility problems, or people for whom touch is very hard for them to feel in certain parts of their hands, maybe where a certain pin might be clipped to their chest, let alone trying to put the damn thing on. I don't have numbness or restricted hand movements and still find myself putting shirts on the wrong way sometimes. I can't imagine trying to pin a pin, ha 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 ha, to myself if I have a nerve or mobility issue. Another point Mike brought up that I'd like to echo is the inaccessibility of the website. OMG, it's like Johnny Ive said, screw it, put his hands in the air and looked through his first designs and picked the worst one. Maybe even getting buy-in for the worst design contest. That's just my speculation. The design and lack of thought put into the website design makes me truly wonder about the physical design and where the company cut corners. This whole company just goes to show that just because Apple execs formed it doesn't mean that accessibility is at forefront of the minds of the company. I will be writing to the company after this weekend. I suggest that others do the same in a respectful but firm manner. I'm planning on using AI to help me write the letter, ironically enough. Anyways, keep up the good work and Sean, break a leg. Oh, wait, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least be aware that winter is coming. God bless. Thank you, not. <laughs> oh, thank you, Aaron. Um, yeah, don't, don't break a leg, Sean, please. I will try I, I, my best. I don't want to do the next six months on my own again. Well... Uh, some of the listeners may think that's a, a good thing. We will see. I think they'd probably rather I brought my leg. <laughs> right. I want to. I want to bring this up, okay? Because I meant to mention this when we interviewed um, Mike as well. Mm. The website totally accessible for me. I signed up for to to get you know alerts through the email uh, subscription uh, headings. Reads everything out to me. Now, admittedly, I've only tried it on my computer here, Windows NVDA totally accessible what what am i missing well you know obviously i like to be balanced on this show so i haven't uh, gone oh, well to the done. website well done See, so I, that's, I think that's covered all bases okay well check it out Let inaccessible me... accessible no idea <laughs> there you go that is true balance we are heroes <laughs> yes i haven't noticed a problem with it as i said in my limited experience because i had a look before obviously during the announcement um, also, when you go there and you, you click on watch the video, it automatically starts playing in full screen. Um, there's no having to find a play button. I just thought, to me, it was totally accessible. I, mm. I, I'm not sure what the problem here is. But again, I've, I've only used it on this one platform. I haven't tried it on my phone. I haven't tried it. I'm more interested in the lack of response to my emails um, regarding the email regarding the conversation with Mike Calvo and also our listeners' thoughts on this issue. So I um, I still await a response, Humane. If you ever want to come back on and talk about it or come on at all and talk about it, we'd love to hear you. We'd love to we'd love to be the place you come to to tell us what what plans you have to build accessibility in and please tell me you've considered accessibility. I've got to say um, it is getting uh, you know initially I was very much on the defense 
uh-huh. of humane. Ten minute video, no mention of accessibility. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, but okay. the longer there's no feedback, there's no interaction. I do tend to think, actually, do they not have any plans? Do they not even thought about this? Silence says a lot, and um, yeah. I am getting a little bit worried. Okay, thank you, Aaron, for that. Uh, Sharon gets in touch on the subject of crank radio. I hope you're not talking about us, Sharon. Hello, just an (laughs) FYI. The coyote is a dog-like creature that travels in packs, usually at night. In my neighbourhood here in Michigan, we also have deer roaming around, and lucky for them, it is the end of hunting season. Anyway, wanted to tell you about a crank radio by Crane. It has a solar panel, shortwave, AM, FM, and a weather alert, which also includes marine conditions. It will charge an iPhone and has an LED light to use as a flashlight, torch. It will take batteries, but it also has a crank that can be used to power up. I just keep it on my windowsill and use especially to track incoming thunderstorms. Have a good one. Sharon in Michigan. Thank you, Sharon. I think everyone seems to be uh, awaiting a nuclear winter because we're all uh, bedding <laughs> down with crank-up radios, solar panels. <laughs> I remember <laughs> those. I What's remember- going on? The crank-powered devices, whatever happened to those? The torch was a thing. I remember They're that. It was a big thing. Yes, radios. It's funny. I, I just automatically go to oh, smart speaker, right? That's, that is my radio. But I know, but um, I must admit, lo- right, so so I was watching all the light we cannot see, and there was the, uh, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, tough. So here's the thing. So there's a scene in it where I believe, I believe the thing we need to say is spoiler alert. Uh, it's not a spoiler, though. It's, it's in the first episode. So, I mean, even if you... Yeah, whatever. So, the there's a scene in it where the, the little girl uh, who's, you know, the, as or the girl in the program as a younger girl, very young girl, she is lying in bed listening to her radio. And she's sort of tuning the radio in and she's doing a thing going on. And it just, it took me right back to me as a kid. That was me as a kid. I'd sit there every night tuning my radio to listen to, especially the foreign broadcast. You'd hear all kinds of accents. Oh, lovely. Audio from all over the places. Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, I loved it. Uh, a little bit of retro, that a little bit of nostalgia from Stephen Scott. You don't get that from digital, do you? It's all this. It's just turned on and it's there. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they just, make things better? I know. I just I don't know. It's like vinyl, right? It's like vinyl coming back. Oh, don't, just don't. Sarah's oh. got all this. She's got a record player and these speakers and all this. Oh, I've got you know my Pink Floyd and my ACDC on vinyl because it's oh, it's awful. It makes no difference. Well, as we know, you have absolutely no standards at all. Um, moving on. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you for that, Sharon. Uh, bringing, I, I think, more talk about radio. I like talking about radio. Radio is king or queen in my life. Well done. I, I do Thank like you. the crank-powered option, though. That is, I like that. I don't know what it is. It's like, a crank for a crank. It just gives me the exercise that I need. <laughs> I want to mention uh, Saturday's show because, of course, Saturday we had Matthew Alcock on and he was talking about the subject of, well, a a very thorny topic, I would say, um, identity of blindness and particular groups of people identifying as blind people. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that conversation, I would urge you to go back and listen. But we already have uh, started getting some emails on this. Rhonda is first to write in. Hello, all at Double Tap. I'm just writing to congratulate you and Matthew on the great discussion on the show on Saturday. I'm not speaking on behalf of all blind and vision impaired women here, only on my own interactions and observations over the past 40 years as I have slowly lost my sight. 
the women I know seem to get together and talk about all aspects of vision loss and its life effects. The blokes I know in my older age group, not so much. Therefore, it was refreshing to hear your conversation today. I no longer participate in social media because of the content, time-wasting and brain strain, but do subscribe to a few email lists. Thank goodness for the delete key. I always have a giggle when I hear about the vision-impaired slash blindness classes in sport as we have two children's TV characters called B1 and B2 here in Australia. They are giant bananas wearing pyjamas and often chase teddy bears. (laughs) Keep up the good work, and I really enjoy these non-tech shows as well as the techie ones. Lol. Lots of love, Rhonda and guide dog Coco. Yes, I have a beautiful girl called Coco too. Oh, wow. Oh, my wife will be made up. We should have, we should have a play date. <laughs> that's a bit of a commute, but yes, it could happen. It's a bit, yeah. It might be worth it. I think that sounds, I think I'll come to you, though. But that would be a much better deal for me. Uh, thank you so much for that, Rhonda. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I appreciate you picking up on that point because I think that that is, is true. Guys are not good at talking. Uh, we do okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> whether it's any use or not, I don't know. But we we we, we talk. We, we, we're okay <laughs> at talking. But you know, it is it, it's true though. And, and I must admit, you are the worst. You are the worst. If I try and gauge you in a serious conversation about something, you just clam up. Sorry, are we doing this on air? Are we? Are we? Are yes. We Psycho analyzing me. Yes. Um. My wife loves it when we do this. Uh, does I, she- I think that's what she says. <laughs> she also says I don't listen. I think. Um. Okay, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah, yes, I do clam up. Yes, sorry. I'm on the couch tonight. Um, okay, let's move on uh, because I want to bring in this review from uh, listener and Exus who very kindly sent in a review after I kind of cheekily asked on air if <laughs> she would be up for doing this. Uh, so here is an Exus's review of Timecrest, the text adventure game. Hi, I am here with a recording about my experience with... Timecrest specifically. It is a text adventure game um, where you follow a boy named Ash who uh, whose world is destroyed by meteors and he contacts you through a through a pocket watch and um, you turn back time saving his world and most of the journey is pretty much trying to figure out why the meteors are destroyed and trying to basically stop it from uh, happening again but also there are other things going on. So the way that the players interact with the game, it's not levels um, as you would find in something like Sortie Quest. It is chapters. These chapters are pretty long. Sometimes there are uh, there are times where you have to stop the game because you have to return at certain certain amounts of time. And it um, so when you when you stop, you can eventually go back. You get a notification and everything. Uh, you also get skip crystals in the beginning, which um, I have spent because I have become a pretty addicted to the game pretty quickly when I'm playing. So the way that the screen is set up is you have on the top left, you get a little bit of information like what chapter you're in, the current year, how many, I think they're called, yeah, time crystals you have, um, how much gold you have, and so on. Like those are the, the main points of information. After that, what I'm going to call the middle of the screen, you have the messages and basically like the, as as they're incoming, they show up in the, in, in there. Um, And then there is the bottom right of the screen, which has a shop, the pocket watch, the music player. And there is also something there called descriptive help, which um, I haven't really opened 
I think I opened it once, but I actually don't remember what's in Descriptive Help. So that is kind of what the layout looks like. So now I'm going to open um, on my phone, I'm going to open the game and I'm going to show you kind of how I, a few actions and how it kind of works. I will say it is very accessible and it, uh, the way that it's played is uh, messages come up and when it's your turn to respond, you get uh, um, a few options. Sometimes you only get one because that's like the only response that's there. But sometimes, uh, a lot of times you get a few options and you click on one and that will be And based on your response, then other messages arrive. Basically, that's kind of how it's, it's uh, shown there. So it's like text messages, but without you dictating exact, um, exact instructions almost. So I'm going to open the game. Open time crest. So when I, that's the back button on the top. And then as I scroll, chapter eight, chapter eight. Is we're in year 1014 MG. I'm not sure what the MG actually stands for in this game. So you have the aura. The aura. So the, after that, we're going to basically have messages. So what I'm going to do first, I'm going to show you a few things. So first, I'm going to go with the... I'm going to get more time crystals. So quantity. So we're going to vend for free because that's easier. Okay. And then we collect. You might have noticed that I do not have the soundtrack of the game on. It's because I find music and gaming a bit distracting. So um, I have it off. So I got the time crystals. Now we close. And then I'm going to go on the bottom uh, right of the screen. So there's the shop. Notices. These are usually announcements of things like podcast interviews and stuff like that. Um, so then we're going to go, this is a memory oracle that I do not have access to. Music player. That's the music player. You have to have the soundtrack on to use it. Pocket watch. And then we're going to go to the pocket watch. Okay. I'm basically scrolling right right now. Time Chris Merchant. Okay, so Morty is basically like a, a wolf that gives you money. That is the best description I have. Morty is a wolf that gives you money. Um, so when we click on him, so that's the description we have. Every time we usually get a description for all of this stuff all the time. So I'm scrolling right again. So we're gonna collect sixty gold. So we're gonna collect here. And then we hit okay. And now we're gonna go through the messages so that I can kind of show you how it all reads. So that was my last response uh, to basically attack. That's the last time I played. So that's a message. 
So here it says he's busy. And at the time, I remember I had to wait probably about three hours or something. I do not remember the exact time. So when it says something like Ash is busy, that usually means you have to wait before coming back to the game. Unless you have uh, time skip, uh, skip crystals, which I do not. Again, I had 12 and I spent them all. It's no good. So this is no good. I can't get past Merrick. He keeps dodging my blows. Merrick said, is this all you've got? The woman in the bone mask just spoke. She said, he's calling. Alan said, but I'm not done with him yet. Hey. So as you can see, we're just reading messages right now. Still. Just appeared underneath your feet. I feel a shock going through my body, paralyzing me. Ah, yes. This is the one where he has paralyzed and I did have to wait about three something hours. So as you can see so far, it's just a lot of messages. There are a lot of messages in this game before you can respond. I'm alive, so usually you have to get through them. Talk to you when this paralysis wears off. System message, Ash is resting. So this is where he rests, it gives you that message. Much better. My limbs are regaining full motion now. At the moment, they're basically in a quest and they have a couple of things going on. There are a lot of quests in this game, so if you do like quests, this might be a really good game for you. Ellipses. So there's an ellipses. I'm telling you I'm going with him. Yeah, so part of the conflict in this game is that there is an issue with uh humans and um mages and you as the character the person who's playing is someone from the human uh world and technically according to in this in this world it is illegal so that's a fact you should know probably beginning well ellipses the inside of it looks like nothing i've seen before there's a high chance this could be a human relic there are strange panels with different colors everywhere system message ash is waiting okay so this when it says ash is waiting this is where we basically respond so here's what we have this is what it looks like tell me more about the object one of two responses so that's tell me more about the object draw the spell. Two two responses. and then it says draw a spell so i think i am going to go with tell me more about the object so i'm gonna so basically you just double tap look tell here we're gonna double tap on this tell me more about the and that sound what? is that it came through and this means that messages are basically coming through. So that's the basics of the game. That is the basics of playing. And that last one usually means that you're either going to respond, you need to respond, or you have to wait some time. So that is the basics of uh, how I usually play. Not much changes um, from, from there. Um, I hope you enjoyed this one. There was very little talking, more voiceover than anything, than anything else. Uh, but I felt like the best way to go but i hope you um enjoyed this and hopefully based on how easy it was to navigate i have convinced at least one person to play the game let me know your thoughts Anexus, thank you so much for sending in that review and uh listen uh, our listeners send in these demos they make them themselves uh i know that the audio uh or the uh, speed of the voice was maybe a little bit higher than we might have uh, hoped for but you know what I'm not going to complain when people send in the work that they do and uh, the people that put the work in. I give you I'm an idea of how the game is played. Uh, I, yeah, I, go I'm, download it yourself. I'm still slightly confused by Morty the Wolf that gives you money, but uh, okay. Yeah, yeah do, uh, isn't the wolf supposed to take the money? The wolf at the door, is that not uh, the, uh, the, yeah, the phrase? Yeah, I, I don't understand, but uh, I yeah, have anyway, played this whatever. game myself and others like it. It's, it's quite cool. It's like a text message conversation. Uh, definitely give it a go. Yeah, and you can listen to that review again on our website, doubletaponair.com, where you can find out lots more about our show and also catch up with that Steve Saylor story from earlier as well. Uh, hear him talk about being a judge at the uh, Game Awards 2023. What an amazing show today and what a wide range of subjects yes. we covered. Uh, the Double Tap Express is back tomorrow. 
Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. <laughs>